it's more of a freestyle kind of cooking where I don't know what the menu is going to be and we just use the techniques and skills and education that we have to create food and create meals. Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Chef Katie Wire was cooking in Chicago when she heard about a job out at Frank Lloyd Wright's Taliesin, and she jumped at the chance to get out of the city and closer to the farm. Katie is now running the kitchen at Arcadia Books, a charming bookstore in Spring Green, and she hosts pizza dinners and curry nights with her company Large Batch Scratch. I'm your host, Cap Times food writer, Lindsay Christians. Chatting with Katie was so much fun, in part because she's clearly in love with the community of Spring Green, but also because she's a true improvisational cook, which as a planner, I personally find very impressive. American Players Theater opens this weekend, so it's the perfect time to meet Katie and get introduced to her food. Give a listen. Katie, welcome. Hi, thank you. <laughs> so you are cooking out in Spring Green. How did you end up there? Um, I ended up in Spring Green three years ago this July because of a friend of mine who has helped connect me um, multiple times for jobs when I've decided I wanted to make kind of bigger changes in my career path. And so she was having lunch with Frank Lloyd Wright's great-grandson, um, who is an amazing salsa instructor out of Chicago and oh a good gosh. friend of hers. And she said they're looking for a cook at the school at Taliesin. And I had said to her, I need to get out of Chicago, and I want to be closer to the source. I want to be practicing cooking large batch food for communities, not just doing these like plated, small-focused kinds of meals that I was doing in Chicago. So are you from Chicago? I am from a suburb of Chicago, Geneva, Illinois. Oh, okay. It's about 40 minutes west of Chicago. So where were you working in Chicago when you kind of heard about the opportunity up at Taliesin? I had just left a job teaching, actually, at the Greater Chicago Food Depository. I worked there for two years in a program called Chicago's Community Kitchens, um, which was an incredible opportunity and I think also directed me to wanting to do something that was more in line with how I felt socially and um, politically about our food system. And so I wanted to get out of Chicago, though, and that kind of big building and no sunlight <laughs> experience and get back closer to being outdoors and closer to food um, while taking everything that I'd learned with me to do something new. I contacted her and told her what I wanted, and she f saw this opportunity, and I came out right away. That's really cool. Yeah. Chicago is a lot of concrete. There's a lot of concrete, <laughs> and it can be really disheartening um, to see the really obvious differences in economic availability for people when it comes to where they're getting their food. Taliesin is such a beautiful place. They have that gorgeous visitor center that's mm -hmm. like overlooking the river. Um, but also they got a relationship with Fazenda Boatera, which is a farm out there. And did you have a relationship with them too? So the very first day that I came out, I came out about a week before I moved here um, to, to cook 
two meals at the school as sort of a tryout. Uh, and so the first thing that they had me do is go on a walk around the farm with John and Leija and their first uh, farm apprentice, Katie Zappa. And that was probably one of the most amazing days of my life. Um, we talked about food. We talked about the area. They knew more about the history and had such deep knowledge of the land there and had such a love for it that I was totally taken by their passion and it really fed into what I was able to do that day just from what they had available and form this picture in my mind of being able to actually practice this thing that I wanted to be learning. So yeah, I got to cook for 50 people uh, lunch and then 50 people for dinner and it's a buffet style the way that they serve lunch and dinner at Taliesin for the students and the staff and then the employees and the farmers and the maintenance people and everyone who works there gets together and they eat lunch and dinner together every day. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was say, so much fun. When you say this thing I wanted to be learning, mm -hmm. do you mean that sort of, it, that, that kind of farm to table ethos, being able to kind of work with the farmers in the land? Is it more about the community aspect of it? It's definitely more about the community aspect of it. I saw while working at the food depository and the way that we prepared meals there too, this opportunity to cook large batch scratch cooked food that feeds a lot more people at once and in a communal way than what you can do when you're at a restaurant and you're portioning things and you know trimming the ends off of something and not using them so it was this opportunity to practice and learn uh, zero waste and cooking what is actually available and what drives a lot of the people that work with me and for me nuts, like not necessarily having a plan. So it's more of a freestyle kind of cooking where I don't know what the menu is going to be and we just use the techniques and skills and education that we have to create food and create meals. You have to have a certain kind of person, I would think, to want to work in that situation. Definitely. <laughs> and a lot of people, I think, are skeptical at first and then really find that they can find themselves through that food and through that style too. We do that every day right now and with everything that we have the opportunity to do for events and pop-ups and uh, pizza and curry and all of these different things that we are invested in, we don't have really a big plan going into them. We don't write menus a week out. We don't know necessarily what it is that we're going to be working with. And that comes a lot from the philosophy that that's not what is most important. It is about supporting our local food system and using what is available, using what other people don't want, um, helping out, you know, by saying, what do you have that you want to get rid of? And sometimes it's a hundred pounds of pork hock that farmers who are selling to restaurants or selling to um, grocery stores have to provide certain cuts and a lot of times end up with a lot of cuts that a lot of people don't want and I want those cuts. So if it's, you know, braising pork shank or ham hock for a day and then picking it the next day and then knowing that that's what we have and that's what we're using, making a soup, creating a pizza, using it for an event, we use every bit of everything that we are lucky enough to have that's local and awesome.
Are there things that you did at Taliesin that you're particularly proud of? I'm proud of that whole experience. Um, it was challenging, and it took a lot of commitment to the idea, uh, but we were able to pull off four farm dinners. Um, I preserved thousands of pounds of food with the volunteer support of students, of friends, of farmers, um, a lot of local people in town that I have built relationships with would show up and just start peeling or cutting and we were able to take I think it was over 500 pounds of tomato seconds and thirds that were preserved and used for pizza sauce for our weekly pizza party um, pickles so many pickles at our farm dinners we would have just jars in straight lines across the table of everything from curried pickled summer squash to garlic scapes, just so much preserving, so much introducing people to the food, being able to talk brilliantly about the food through the knowledge and experience of everyone who got to participate in it. They have formal events at Taliesin for the student that the students put on and invite community members and supporters of Taliesin to um, once a month, and I cooked all of those, and that was all food that was locally sourced and from Fazenda and from the farm. Um, and we were able to, at the end of each one of those events, stand up and say, and these are the people who grew that food and these are the people who prepared it. And there's a lot of pride when you can introduce people to the actual source of where things are coming from. And not from a like kind of showboaty way um, or by just like having the name on the menu, but an actual, and this is where it happened. It's a little bit more personal. And I think that the, what we brought to the Taliesin kitchen was just super personal. Yeah. You talk about like introducing people to the food. And when I think about Arcadia Bookstore, where you mm -hmm. are now, where you're cooking there, um, I feel like that's something the chef, the chef there, Jackie Singleton, was doing a lot of. So I, I wonder a little bit about what you're doing in the Arcadia Kitchen now, if you want to talk a little bit about that menu and how you put that together. Sure, yeah. So Jackie is awesome, and she did some amazing things there. And I think something I didn't realize when I decided to take on this uh, cafe and start a business was that there wasn't always made-to-order food coming out of the cafe. There's, It's really an interesting setup, but it's designed to basically be a grab-and-go um, with grab-and-go baked goods, coffee, and then the occasional either cook-the-book event or uh, dinner that is open to the public, um, you know, a couple days a week. But when we started, we decided to have a made-to-order menu daily, um, which was me cooking <laughs> daily uh, from the time the bookstore opened till it closed. We've reeled back a little bit this year as more and more opportunities to do other things and to kind of refocus our attention. So we are open from 10 to 4 daily in the made-to-order kitchen. But the cooler is stocked with all sorts of things. We have Korean japchae in the cooler, which is a you know noodle street food that people <laughs> in Spring Green are like addicted to now and we can't keep it long enough. There's lamb curry constantly that people are coming in for. It's not surprising to me, I think, that that kind of food and to be doing and pushing the limits 
is getting a really good response because I think another part about this rural area is that it's really not that rural as far as the demographics of the town itself. And I think a lot of people have an opportunity in their lives to travel and to go on vacations. I constantly see people in Arcadia planning their Italian vacation or their trip to India. And so there's a lot of folks who come in because they do know that they can have something that's not just kind of -of run-of-the-mill Wisconsin fried cheese curd. Burgers and fries. Burgers and fries, yeah. There's something different that is exciting, and and it's all local, but with a twist. Um, I get to come into Madison once a week to go to Yuwa on Park Street. It's a Asian grocery store and run by a Chinese couple that have that immigrated here over 30 years ago and have been running this this grocery store and are just absolutely incredible. And so we pick up tons of our seasoning and spices and kind of glean inspiration from a lot of the aisles in that store on a weekly basis to bring back to Spring Green. They're one of my local producers, I consider them. So you mentioned Large Batch Scratch Mm -hmm. as part of something you were saying earlier, and that's the name of your catering company, right? It's the name of our business. I don't, this whole new business thing is so new to me. Um, This is the first business I've ever run, and I run it with my partner, Patrick Michaels, and he's the computer and finance and he does all of our spreadsheets and he keeps the business running really and lets me just kind of be running around the kitchen all the time. Um, But so Large Batch Scratch is our business. We're an LLC. The way that Arcadia has it set up is the cafe they lease. So we rent the space and the kitchen to run our business out of and It has to work really well with Arcadia and with the bookstore, and we are still trying to figure out how to make it work best for them, too. Uh, I feel bad whenever we change what we're doing. Like, our hours are changing, or we're not doing these dinners, or we're doing new dinners. Um, And they have been so flexible and so supportive. It's incredible. On Mondays and Fridays, they let people know, our kitchen is closed tonight, but you can head down the street and... The folks who run this kitchen are doing a curry night or a pizza night down there. And so they've been incredible at helping us find our way and navigate our business, even though we are kind of held to what the expectations of their business is. So American Players Theater is opening officially this weekend. Yes. (laughs) And that's got to be a big shift for you guys, um, getting a lot of folks coming into town. Do you change your hours? Do you change what you offer for the APT crowd coming into Spring Green? I want to say no. Um, And I I don't want to deter the APT crowd from checking us out at all because we are there seven days a week, year-round. So we want to continue to provide what we make available year-round to them as well. I think that the biggest changes is volume. Uh, We go from cooking for anywhere from 5 to 20 people who come through the cafe a day during our slow season to, uh, you know, hundreds. And so we try to 
figure out and hone what we were doing over the winter in a way that we are going to be able to increase it in volume in the summer. So we pulled back a little bit and we're not doing dinners out of the bookstore this summer, uh, but we are open 10 to 4 daily uh, with a made-to-order menu. And I think that's a little bit different. Folks who came and come into Spring Green to go to dinner before APT don't have a ton of options. So I do feel bad that we're not going to have that available, but we will, starting in July, have our Monday nights available again for curry and Friday for pizza, and those are both open to the public. And where are those? That is at the White School on Lexington. It is the last building before you hit the big park right there on Lexington. As far as what we do differently, I think we just get a lot a lot more excited about <laughs> the number of people that we're going to be able to serve. And APT really has given me a huge chance to, to serve the APT acting community and the stitchers and directors and all of the people who make APT happen are really an amazing group that we get to serve. Um, I've had the opportunity in the last couple of years to cook for their design conference. I get to cater the opening night for the actors. So when they have their opening party on the 15th, I show up at 11 p.m. and set up a spread for them. And I think that that's part of the joy of this community is knowing that, yes, I'm going to serve people who come to APT, but I also primarily get to serve the people who make APT happen and that they are our community. And so once they move to town every year in the spring, things change really fast and we get a lot busier and we get to stretch what we're doing to kind of accommodate a lot of different and wonderful people who are only going to be here for five or six months, but know that Arcadia is kind of their home base. So they're coming in every day, and the menu changes constantly because we still work with what is seasonal, what we have. It's fun to share that with with folks who are really a part of our community, even if it's not year-round. Are you doing grab-and-go before dinners? Yeah, so the grab-and-go cooler is open all the time um, from 10 till 8, Tuesday through Saturday, and 10 till 6 on Sundays and Mondays. The You can walk right in and go to the cooler, and there are sandwiches and salads, and we're going to be doing cheese plates and little charcuterie things. Um, we also have a pastry selection that's available daily. We do everything from scratch. So every piece of bread, every sauce, every dressing, everything is made in our kitchen that you'll find in the cooler and in the pastry case. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're heading out to APT and you have a limited amount of time before the show. Yep. Being able to grab and go, I've always preferred that yeah. myself. There's a lot of people who expect to kind of make their meal when they show up. And so having a larger selection is something that we're focusing on much more this year. I'd never worked with a grab-and-go cooler. I'd never worked with packaging food. I'd never had to make labels. And these are all these extra steps that I think last year were so jarring to me. Um, And it's also really jarring to make food and then to package it and then to put it in a cooler that you have to walk past every day and see what's sitting there. It's it's not the same as cooking food, putting it on a plate, and then like 20 minutes later having an empty plate. Um, but I've really spent a lot of time trying to learn how to make that cooler work for us and for our guests. And I think this summer is going to 
really be a turning point for what's available in there. Spring Green is such a unique place, but I feel like I don't usually get to Spring Green too much in the off season. But you and and many of the other other folks who sort of work and live there, you're there all year round. And I wonder if that's a, a challenge. It's a bigger challenge than I think any of us could even describe. It's like living in two different towns. It's like having two different businesses. There is the spring through early fall season, and then there is the fall through early spring. And it is a long season and a quiet season. And a lot of us love living there year-round because it's a quiet season, but it does make running a business extremely challenging. I mean, we have days in the cafe in February where, you know, your sales are under $100. <laughs> and that does not make for keeping employees. It doesn't make for being able to offer uh, long-term employment or full-time hours to anybody outside of outside of your own business. And we really want to see that change. There is so much going on in Spring Green year-round that I think that people could be coming through on a lot more regular basis and finding a ton that they can participate in, learn, volunteer with, show up for. Um, and we want to see more stuff come that way. I think if people are interested in making things happen, there's a lot of space to do that there. I wonder if there are any ideas you've had about trying to raise the awareness of how great Spring Green is in the off season. Yeah, we are actually in the middle of like starting this big campaign to raise awareness. Um, and not just for folks who don't live in Spring Green, but within Spring Green itself so that people do see that there are things to participate in year-round. And so you'll be able to check out MadeInSpringGreen.com, which we'll be launching, I believe, at the end of this week. Uh, and it's going to be in the APT Playbill for the first time. And what it is, is it's a collaboration and a collective of small businesses that are all working with food in Spring Green um, and right outside of Spring Green. But it's about the food that you can find and access in Spring Green. And so we are working with Uplands Cheese, Enos Farms, Fazenda Boatera, uh, straightforward Farm, Seven Seeds Farm. And these are all farms that you can visit, that you can go to, that their food and their products are available and being used year-round in Spring Green. Um, there's definitely a season for tourism, but there's also a really unique and beautiful food season that happens outside of the summer. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If people want to find more info about Pizza Night and Curry Night, how do they find out? Um, you can go to our website, which is largebatchscratch.com um, and madeinspringgreen.com. You can follow us on Instagram at largebatchscratch. We hashtag madeinspringgreen for everything that we do. Uh, and so you can follow hashtag madeinspringgreen as well. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great summer. I hope so. I think it's it's looking like it's going to be a really fun, very busy, very fast-paced adventure. <laughs> This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. 
You can see a preview of the American Players Theatre season, including the five plays opening in June, at captimes.com, where you can also find restaurant reviews and other food coverage. Subscribe to The Corner Table anywhere you get your podcasts, and follow us on Facebook at Corner Table Podcast. I am your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. Next week, I'll be talking with Max Licker, the creator of Chrysalis Pops, local treats with a great mission. And my wish for you this week is fresh strawberries, because I just got my first crop in my garden. Cheers! Cheers!